You're listening to Fintech in Focus, where our mission is to celebrate the talent and ideas that contribute to the global fintech industry. My name is Alyssa Callahan, and you're listening to this week's segment, Women in Fintech. Today, I'm going to be speaking with Dr. Rosine Salman, who is the Senior Project Manager at Envoice Pay, a fleet core company. Rosine began her foray into the technology sphere through a job at Apple. From there, she moved to a position as the Technology and Digital Solutions Director with the United Nations. And during that time, she earned a PhD in engineering and technology at Portland State University before taking on a senior project manager role at Cambia Health Solutions and then Envoice Pay. So, Rosine, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. Um, you have such an interesting professional career, and I'm really excited to discuss it with you. I would be happy to share it with you. Thank you. Um, so can you please describe your path from where you started to how you made your way to the fintech industry? Yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, thinking about it, it's very interesting. So my first job was during my freshman year of high school, where I taught math to eight of the neighbor's kids. And surprisingly, they were all boys. I taught them at my home and received $60 a month per child. I used to meet with them three times a week. So it was, it was a big time, but the, the monthly payment was really a big deal for me at that time. That's pretty good for, for a high school age. Yes. <laughs> and I was known to be the math girl in the neighborhood. So every, all the parents will come to me and ask me to help their kids. So that was fun. And then the second, like after I graduated with a double major in software engineering and business administration, I became a sales representative with Compaq, personal desktop and portable computer. At that time, this was the major competitor to IBM and most expensive, actually, computer. Uh, and what I liked best about this job was meeting end users and understanding their needs to recommend the best computer specifications that fits their needs. However, I did not like the quota system and the straight commission compensation package. Monthly pressure was exerted by management to achieve a certain quota. However, I did not feel that I needed to sell the most expensive desktops to achieve this quota, and it was not always based on, on customer needs. Although I did not achieve my quota in the first few months, I developed a trust uh, with my customer base and eventually exceeded the quota through recommendations from the customer base. So it was more references that I got from my customers. And then, as I mentioned, I didn't enjoy the sales job, but after six months, I landed a job with Apple in software training and user acceptance training, uh, testing, and I trained uh, customers on the new software, documented their feedback, and provided technical support after implementation and onboarding. During this time, I was still getting calls from my customer base at Compaq for PC recommendations because I developed the trust. So I still could, I mean, I didn't get any uh, money from Compaq. They would go straight to buy the computer, but they trusted me. So this was a great lesson for me for my whole life to develop trust. And then uh, these two jobs, along with my uh, undergrad double major, helped me land a job with the United Nations as a technical procurement manager at the beginning. The job required one with experience with desktop and laptop sales. 
software and business experience. So I was the perfect candidate for the job as my education and my experience were crafted for this job. This was like, and that's how you see your, your as if every step is leading to the other step. So it's not like anything happens accidentally. It's happened with a plan that I was, I was like really just enjoying the plan. And I worked with the United Nations for 15 years, it changed locations and titles over, over the time. It was the time of PC revolution. PC users were exposed to the user-friendly software concepts. Uh, uh, you know, the PC became ever more popular at that time. So the desktop has gone through many changes over four decades, as we know, but they pale in comparison to the absolute revolution in portable computing. And during the years 1995 to 98, I purchased new laptops for our traveling experts every six months. The size, weight, and speed of the of the processors were all getting better and better. So it was an interesting time where I practiced all my sales <laughs> training I got at Compaq and all my uh, uh, relationship with these companies. That was a great uh, for me. That pushed me. However, the the best maybe uh, thing happened at that also time during the mid-90s, 95 specifically, the intranet. And the intranet are private networks used by organizations to distribute communications exclusively to their workforce before the advent of the internet. So this was used by the UN for communications and secure emails. It, it, we were the first people to use the internet, really, in, the, in the, the UN, because that was our internal communication. However, most of the financial work was still accomplished on paper, with real signatures and sent out to headquarters by dedicated airplanes for extreme security measures. So in a transitional phase, we began to automate financial and accounting operations and switched from paper-based to electronic digital workflows. This experience would be the beginning of my product management career. I started collecting all the requirements and uh, sizing the effort, and that's where we started really thinking about it as a product in a software environment. So after five years of diligent work, we launched the first automated financial system to 192 countries, six official languages, as well as many local languages. So during my... It's amazing. Yeah, it was an amazing... <laughs> if you think about it, we didn't have all the technology we have today for translating immediate... Now we have simultaneous translators. Right. Tools. It wasn't available. We had to do that manually. So during my time with the UN as a technology and digital solution director, I was responsible for 41 countries involving a great deal of traveling. So I decided to take unpaid educational leave and move to San Francisco and completed my master's in engineering and computer information systems. Then I decided to pursue my PhD in engineering management. In fact, the dean, uh, I, I had, uh, during my master's degree, I published so many papers. So the dean approached me and he said, for some reason, everything you write get published. And it's not easy to publish when you are in the scientific environment and publishing in journals. So I pursued PhD, which wasn't also in my plan, but 
it was, it, it happened and it was it kind of fell into place. Yes, it just came. <laughs> so during my PhD years and as part of my PhD training, I worked as a consultant with Nike, Intel and Bonneville Power Administration. As, as a PhD student in training, we were required to think outside of the box. So in the PBA, for example, uh, they did not want electrical engineering students to solve electrical blackout problems due, due to an old power grid. Because, the, the, of course, the engineering, the electrical engineering students know the limitations and they can't think outside the box. They brought us in to think outside the box. And the solution was saving electricity from low demand time period to high demand time using software engineering solutions. So we solved the problem magically without really building a new grid, which will be very much uh, cost in time and, of course, mm -hmm. resources. I yeah. taught engineering management disciplines for graduate level students and published my research in scientific research journals. I presented my research at scientific conferences such as Informs and PICMET. However, research for the sake of research and publication did not fulfill me. I wanted to make a difference in the industry, remove consumer pain points, innovate new solutions. That was like, I didn't feel like I'm, I'm, I, ca I came originally from the industry. I felt the need of the end, the end users. I just couldn't just publish papers only and not be in touch with the real world. And that's where I decided to accept a job at Cambia as a data scientist. So in 2014, the healthcare industry didn't have much of clean data. So I worked on creating the first data lake to the consumers agnostic of their health plan. They can keep their health records wherever they go. So as you know, currently you are on one plan, you move to another company, you are on another plan, you can't keep or move your records. And that's what we tried to solve for because this was a great pain point. Then I moved to the strategic technology solution department at Cambia to formulate the first product management manager's team. We created tools where the consumer could access their health record, make appointments and get their prescriptions refilled while they are on their phone. So later I spearheaded products from conception and development to launch to dedicated products for family caregivers that are caring for their loved ones. I worked with Cambia for more than six years and I decided it was time for a new industry and new learning challenges. And I accepted a job at Invoice Pay. That's such an amazing life story, really. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to, how to boil that down. Um, and you know, you have such an impressive professional background. So this might be a bit of a difficult question to answer, but what are you most proud of, um, you know, in your whole professional career? Well, you know, uh, I get this question a lot. I, I feel like all products I worked on and every service I contributed to its production uh, brings me pride. Most of the products uh, are still in use and removed end user pain points. I still could remember collecting the pain points. I could see when I shared with them the first prototype and how their eyes will lid and how the reaction was. So end users could be internal, such as saving HR department 80% of their health plan questions during open enrollment or enabling family caregiver weekly savings of two 
and a half hours and custom making plans for caregiver making like taking care of their loved ones. It's every product I did uh, is like brought a solution for someone makes makes me happy. So I, I can't really differentiate. It's like they are all my kids. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's great. That's a good point. I think, you know, it. it I, I think it's a lot of people's dreams to really make a difference in what they're doing. And it sounds like you have really, you know, taken that under your wing and, and made a, made a lot of big changes and positive changes for a lot of different people. So that's great. Uh, I agree. That's, um, that's the main goal of me. The moment I feel I fulfilled that I move to another challenge. And when I start thinking inside the box and I tell you the limitations, I feel that's where I have to move. Now I, I am thinking inside the box. I know the box now and I know it's limitations. I have to move on. That's great. It, it sort of reminds me of a, uh, an old Western movie <laughs> sort of riding <laughs> off into the sunset. <laughs> um, do, so did you have any mentors who supported you? Or I guess another way to look at it is, um, is there anyone that you looked up to or who inspired your personal growth? So there are, there are always different people, but you start normally with your parents. I mean, that's when you are really uh, building your personality and knowledge base. And my family, where uh, we belong to a minority in the Middle East, we are Christians, and we don't have the options for any, like, so many jobs. So our education is number one. So I learned that education and working hard are keys to our success. And nothing in life is free. You have to work hard to get what you want in life. And that's why I was teaching, because I had to get my money. You can't skip the work hard part. (laughs) So if you are going to do a job, do it properly and with effort. So you can't just do any job, even cleaning dishes, doing the simplest job. You have to do it with properly and with good effort as much as you can. So I remember our, my family included five, we are five brothers and sisters. And during my undergrad years, we were really, each one of us was in different country and sometimes different continent. We couldn't get even to see each other for Christmas vacations because we, our, our vacations were completely in different time zones and time, you know, during the year. So how, that's how much my family appreciated education. So I learned also from every colleague, sometimes like my managers, I remember the managers who gave me the best advice. And I sometimes you learn good lessons or behaviors to repeat and others were to be avoided, you know, things that happened that. So I learned. So let me tell you on my spiritual or my personal level, I learned the most from Mother Teresa's missionary uh, where I used to volunteer. In every country I lived, they used to have a um, uh, missionary and I will go. And this kept me uh, uh, honest to myself. Uh, I, I, they normally care for the uh, very sick and lonely people. And I learned that giving time and love are more precious than giving money. I learned to always volunteer with my time, be kind and sincere with my offerings. So that's like... That's the basic of my life. That's an amazing answer. Thank you. (laughs) Um, And I'm going to switch gears a little bit. I'd like to talk with you about your product management role. 
Um, so what goes into a product management role um, in a very technical industry? Yeah, that's a good question. Not so many people, only this week we had this conversation with the other product managers and people don't understand when they say, I'm a product manager. Uh, in information technology, is a product is something, uh, uh, for example, a software application that is created and then made available to customers. And everything now contains technology. I mean, you buy a car and there is technology in it and you buy a computer so you can buy the, the laptop, but you still need the software aspect of it. So the main goal of the product is to solve problems to our end users. Otherwise, no one will purchase it. So it has to meet some demand or some need. So product manager is, uh, I, in, my, in my experience, is the CEO of a product with no authority. You don't have a team. And you don't have authority on everybody or anybody, actually. A product manager is responsible for the success or failure of a product. The, uh, the need is to balance business, technology, and users, and make the hard decisions and balance trade-offs. The PM does not have any power, but sets the goals, defines success, help motivate teams, and is responsible for the outcome. So they understand and represent end users, monitor the market and develop competitive analysis, define a vision for the product, align stakeholders around the vision of the product, prioritize product features, create a shared brain across larger teams, cross-functional team, work with development team, and that's where you come to the execution against the uh, goals develop go-to-market plan, train salespeople. So you take it from the ideation to production. So that's that's mainly the role of product manager from my experience, yeah. And so you, you work very, very closely. You are in engineering and you work very closely with the engineering team. Um, and engineering has been a fairly male-dominated space um, but you definitely support getting more women into that profession. Um, can you can you speak a little more on your thoughts on that? I look at female in every single uh, role in the company, and I want to just express my gratitude for Invoice Pay and Fleet Corps for the number of women in leadership roles. I'm very impressed. I'm very impressed with the culture of Invoice Pay and the number of women in VP level. They are intelligent, happy, knowledgeable, available to assist, and pleasant to work with. They make bold and wise decisions as leaders. This helps make the team environment less authoritative and more cooperative. They have the capacity to understand, regulate, and connect with emotions, which also connect them to the feelings and aspirations of their employees during times of crisis, such as during coronavirus. They succeeded in bringing a family-like feel to the team. I worked with so many, and you know my, my experience, I felt I'm more impressed and happier person at Invoice Pay for all these women who are sharing their experience with me. As an engineering, women make up only 20% of the workforce in science, technology, engineering, and math, which we call it the STEM for, uh, as, as an abbreviation. Men vastly outnumber women majority in most STEM fields in college. 
So the gender gaps are particularly high in some of the fastest growing and highest paid jobs of the future, such as computer science and engineering. So the representation of women in engineering and computing uh, occupations matters. Diversity in the workforce contributes to creativity, productivity, and innovation. Women's experiences, along with men's experiences, should inform the guide and guide the direction of engineering and, tech and, and technical innovations. So I'm talking about this as, as, as you know, I'm still the researcher, I'm still the PhD person. So I'm looking at it from the United States uh, uh, level. Simply, we can't afford to ignore the perspectives of half of the population in the future engineering and technical uh, designs. It is critical for researchers and educators to develop strategies to engage girls and young women in technology and engineering during their K-12 years so that they will be equipped with equal opportunities to pursue these fields in college and beyond. I was part of robotics competitions that are now widespread and can be an effective way to get students involved with technology, coding, engineering, and design as early as uh, elementary school. So I was a mentor until coronavirus, we stopped doing that, but I, I was a mentor and judge in robotics competition in public schools in Oregon. So the, the competition challenges high school students and their adult mentor to work together on a common real life engineering problem to design and build a robot using standard kit of parts following a set of common rules. It's like, and we see more girls participating, thankfully, and which gives me hope for the coming 10 years. We also have to encourage girls that being, being smart doesn't mean that you are not beautiful. So there are like kind of uh, going to school and teaching. Uh, I, I was part of the PhD program that we go to uh, school in different levels of K-12 and tell the girls about astronauts who are also beautiful and look how beautiful she is, yet how more beautiful she is when she's an astronaut and give them this uh, uh, roles to look at. So I'm also planning to create on, on NVP level, invoice pay level, I'm also planning to create a woman in engineering group to create an environment to share knowledge and share challenges and support each other. So that's my, my plan for invoice pay, but I have a bigger plan for, for, for Oregon and for the United States. That's great, though. I love that. I, I, I'm really interested in the... Um judging robotics i think that's very interesting it is it is you don't know how 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 fascinating these kids can come up with solutions that you you never thought about i mean this was an area where i learned they were mentoring me more than i mentored them believe it or not i love it <laughs> um and sort of uh circling back to the product manager specifically um if there's anyone who is interested in following a role similar to the one that you've been following, um, what are some skills that they can develop that will help them become a successful product manager? Uh, the first thing is communication and building relationships, because that's the only power you have. You don't have people at all reporting to you. So no one has to work with you, really. Everyone is busy. Everyone has something to do, and it's they have deadlines so having time 
you need diplomacy, you need negotiation skill and conflict resolution, sense if there is any problem coming, so you attack it and resolve it before it happens. Uh, understanding engineering, operations, stakeholders, end users, and sales languages are key skills in PM role because every group will speak, will say the same thing in different words. So you have to make sense of all that and present it to different groups in their own way. And expert in representing the voice of user by producing original research studies and leveraging a network of internal and external research partners, ability to perform market research, trans like you have the, this translation business requirement to engineering, and understanding both languages is a key. So I think for me, I would put communication, building relationships is number one and everything else. If you don't have these two built in, in your skill set, it's very hard doing the rest of, of the like, you know, requests or requirements in the, in the skill set that you have. Absolutely. If you don't know how to, to, speak to someone in a way that they'll yes. understand it best, then you can't convey the rest of the information it, that you have. Exactly. <laughs> you can learn market research. You can learn. Uh, it's only that listening to end user and, and listening to your stakeholders, because these are the two entities that will really help you uh, build the vision for the product. And finally, um, what advice do you have for women who are interested in becoming an engineer? I will say start looking at internships early in your college career. Real-world experience is so important in determining what you want to do and where your skill sets are. You must ask questions, be humble, and willing to admit you don't always have the answers. Be willing to grow. Successful women engineers are very motivated and detail-focused. Developing a passion for what you do is crucial, not only in engineering, but in any career path. That is amazing advice. Yep. <laughs> thank you. And thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. Um, this is uh, Dr. Rosine Salman again. Um, I think you're a fascinating person and I'm so inspired by your ability to embrace change and make a difference. Thank you for having me. I appreciate that. I appreciate the time. Thank you for tuning into this episode. To be alerted to future Women in Fintech episodes or Fintech News and Views, which is hosted by my colleague Ron Nachman, please consider subscribing to Fintech in Focus, which is available wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcast at envoicepay.com. That's podcast at N-V-O-I-C-E-P-A-Y dot com.